Right, the guy was like getting arthritis in his hands, right, and he was apparently so. It's not like in the actual broadcast, which I right at the end is like this. It must be on YouTube. It was like the original recording. There's like a coffee cup next to it, and it's the last everyone's going to do because he said he was getting cramp, you know, arthritis in his hands. It was really doing him in and all this kind of stuff, and he hated this mouse. And he, you know, he hated doing them. So he looks like, well, that's all, children. Well, goodbye from Finger Mouse. And he just goes, <laughs> and just drowns Finger Mouse. I stop me really? to find a letter. Quite disturbing. <laughs> Sorry, I'm just full of these uh, weird TV moments. I can tell this has stayed with you. It has. It's, it's like yeah. your vision of threads, isn't it? Yeah. It's like haunted you like such childhood. That was it. He just, he just looks and you know, he's such a nice guy with a sort of wee bald head with a hair done. Yeah, some people's childhood nightmares are, you know, nuclear holocaust, drowning in a quarry, things like that. Cameron. End of finger mouse man. Messy it was! It was! You're laughing. You don't know, man, you didn't see it. You, didn't, you weren't there. It's not as bad as the last episode of Backpost for having the little girl by the neck. Yep. Emily won't be staring from her shop window anymore. No. Oh, welcome the niche comedy podcast. <laughs> When you were a child growing up in the late 70s, early 80s, well, we've got jokes for you. Tell us where Jimmy touched you. <laughs> Your letter was only the start of it. Have I brought down the tone sufficiently enough? I'm Make just thinking that not many paedophiles give you a medal afterwards. <laughs> hey, speak for yourself, mate. I always got a prize. <laughs> This is the Bullets Box, episode number either 4 or 16 or possibly 28, we're not sure. It depends how long you've been listening. And if you listen from the start, you're probably in this room. <laughs> so yeah, this episode we'll be doing The Rescue, proper old school, uh, written by David Whitaker, directed by Christopher Barry, and first broadcast on the 2nd and 9th of January, 1965. Planet Dido to rescue ship. Planet Dido to rescue ship. Come in please. Over. No no sign of life at all. No. Well, there must be people or things on this planet. The space machine has arrived. They're warlike people. They wanted to pillage the ship. I could not save them from my people. Then you never gave them a chance. You could have... Remember, I am the only one who can save you from my people. You should be grateful. I am your only protection.
can't come in. was the first episode got 12 million viewers, which That's is actually quite a lot, but there was only two channels at the time. <laughs> right, right, let's not start demeaning Bresky already. That's a, a healthy figure. I was stating facts. I said that was quite a lot of people to watch it. You're already defensive like you know what's going on. <laughs> what else was it to do on an evening like this, apart from either watch TV, join the Razor Gang, or contract tuberculosis? <laughs> yeah. January 1965. They still do that on a Saturday night, Keith. Yeah. All three at the same time. <laughs> People from England can even go on about winning the World Cup yet. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> exactly. Hard times. Hard that times. Yet to come. Yeah. So, yeah, January 1965, it was a dark and dull time. Yep. So, so they had you, William Arnold, are you the tired, sleepy doctor. Are you doing new lyrics for Doctor in Distress now? <laughs> no. No, but, okay. But I just remembered I have got every single carry on film. But that's a whole different conversation. Right. <laughs> okay. So yeah, so William Hartnell is the Doctor. It's uh, Series 2, Episodes 10 and 11 as broadcast. Oh, he's good, isn't he? He's done his research properly. Yeah, he's as good as this. It's always good when you get an educator that's actually done the research. <laughs> yeah. <coughs> we'll try that one day. We'll try that one day. <laughs> I'll be honest, I am actually reading Lee's notes, so I've done no research on this. <laughs> I only know it was Episode 10 and 11 because I had to sort out when I watched it. But yeah, 12 and 13 million viewers isn't bad for the first two episodes. Like, yep. it's, it's alright. Uh, the only two. The only two. Well, yeah, but like for two episodes, it's not bad at all. Considering they got more than Mysterio, which we'll be talking about later. But, but which is which is recorded and aired some fifty years later. Yes. <laughs> it's not really a direct comparison, though, is but it? Not really, no. But when there's a massive population change and many more ways to view it, it's quite impressive that. But there was twelve million people in front of a television in 1965 to watch Doctor Who. It must have been a fair percentage of the population. God, I must have been fairly disappointed by this, like... <laughs> Not that disappointed to one million people more came back, obviously in word of mouth. Well, they were, obviously recovering. they were recovering from the tuberculosis. <laughs> so, so as you can tell from the argument that's already happening, Cameron's going to prosecute this, yes. and he's going to take a kick in. Ray is going to defend this masterpiece of 1960s Doctor Who. Do you want to do you want to go first? Because uh, I think you're actually going to get to stick the boot into this one. Sticking the boot into this? Yeah. Well, I'd personally, as soon as we drew this, when I was last up here a few months ago, I looked at this and thought, I don't know if I've ever seen this. And I couldn't remember it. And then when I watched it, I was like, no, I'd never seen this before in my life. And I came away bitterly, bitterly disappointed, <laughs> it has to be said. And this is pretty inconsequential in the whole grand scheme of Doctor Who. You know, you don't exactly sort of look back over the years, do you, and kind of go, oh yeah, the rescue's where it all really kicked into gear, isn't it? No, no one remembers the rescue. Well, oh. it's like it's like it's like a band having a really rubbish EP that released somewhere, you know, in between the first or second album, you know, just to get out some of the scraps from the recording studio. This is what the rescue is. This is just on the cutting room floor. Should have been left there, but now they've dredged it up. Just pure have a wee bit of a stopgap somewhere to fill it with something, anything. It's bilge, essentially what it is. <laughs> well, I put it to the court that the rescue's a prime example of a unique trait in the 60s Doctor Who. There's a short story on a budget that never feels like it's constrained by a lack of money. So two partners got enough going on so it never feels like you're skimping over anything. 
It's a satisfying character piece that serves as an enjoyable introduction to a character who's vastly underrated. So yeah, now we'll leave that up to you, listeners. <laughs> sure. Good night! We're doing 10 minute episodes, everybody's happy. <laughs> We'll get to the nuts and bolts of the episode then. Yes, yes. Okay, go. so we open up London, 1965. <laughs> no, sorry, Lime Grove, 1964. Yes. Uh, we open in the planet Dido, which is uh, a home of uh, bland coffee table music. Yes. Uh, if you pay attention to your Doctor Who almanacs, uh, it's a joke from 2002 for you there. Yeah. Just a shame there was nobody called Stan in the episode, it would have been perfect. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, opens on a, as you guys put it, a crashed fairy liquid bottle in a quarry. It, it, yeah, it does. It's uh, it's it's once again we're carrying on with the nineteen eighties uh, kids TV show. It's it's button moon essentially what we're looking at here. This is even for you, you have to kind of like look at these things and compensate for the time scale. But even that, pretty fish. Right, I'm already going to have to pull you up here because right. uh, it's got nothing to do with Doctor Who. What's your problem with button moon, you monster? <laughs> no, I say button moon was a pinnacle of kids' TV. This display here is obviously trying to get... But at least Button Moon it was like, yeah, it's a fairly liquid bottle, that's fine. Here, they've obviously tried to lamely disguise it as, honestly, this is a shit for the radar spinning on top of it, but it's not just, yeah, it's like, ignore the pipe cleaners. <laughs> they've come through space, it's fine. This is just, it's its masquerading as something it is blatantly not. Okay. Right, I'll, I'll overlook the slight against the bottom room. Even I'm sorry, but as a JK, I have to say, you can't slug off Doctor Who by saying you have to ignore the inconsistencies in the special effects. Because <laughs> that's every single episode. All of them. Shh, Dave. Shh. <laughs> I was about to ask if you could hold them in contempt for slagging off Button Moon. And then remember, you slag off Chock-A-Block. I slag off many things. I'm a deeply, deeply unhappy individual, but you know this. <laughs> Do you remember, like, the car in Chock-A-Block was blatantly too small for the presenter, so they always used to come in that corner with their, like, knees up to their ears like this. <laughs> yeah, kids, I've just squeezed myself into this car and I can't get back it. But we all wanted the car. Oh yeah, you want the car. Come on, that was, that was every child's dream. <clears throat> you see, finger mouse come back to life out of a coffee cup. And yeah. to have a car from Chocolate Block. Yeah, exactly, yeah. exactly. Did they not fund Chocolate Block partly by renting out parts of the scenery for other science fiction shows? Is there not like a couple of episodes of Tom Baker Doctor Who where there's like Chocolate Block's computers in the background? Because they just basically like they paid to them to sort of wheel it across the street. There's <laughs> definitely a couple of episodes of Blake Seven with it in. I think totally. you're right. No, I think you're right. Yeah, I remember hearing about this. Yeah. So many of our listeners know. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure. Like, yeah. tweet the Polis Box official account with screenshots if you can. Yeah. from other places that Chocolate Box. <laughs> computer is no Photoshop. I mean, you, Andrew Mark Thompson. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure Clayton Hickman about to tell us it. Well, he's taking Rolodex files. Yeah. Yeah. Which episodes has Chocolate Block appeared in? Yeah, exactly, exactly. So who did we get here? Um, we discover that uh, there's two people aboard the Fair Liquid Bottle, miraculously. Who are one is seemingly bed bound, and that's Bennett, mm-hmm. and the yep. other one is a lassie who seems to have just turned up from the clubs, <laughs> called Vicky, and uh, the, uh, she's excited because there's a rescue ship uh, landed, but Bennett's not heard it because a rescue ship cannot land silently. That's, that's true. Uh, yeah. Should point out this point: uh, Maureen O'Brien plays Vicky is already acting Caroline Ford out in the park. You're getting everything in this scene. You're getting she's happy, she's worried. There's sadness. There's Fear, there's excitement. Well, I'm, not, I'm suggesting that Caroline Ford wasn't a great actor, but you know, it's like replacing a bit of limp cardboard with some MDF. 
<laughs> Not the best analogy, right? I'll go out there, right? Why are you pointing around my house at MDF? How very dare you? I didn't notice that there. Yeah. There's a camera going to point towards your door. It was the problem. MDF sweeping arm, it was good. The whole MDF. It's like replacing a cheap material with a nice new kitchen. Nice. Is that better? Like Does that, that help? No, no, I'm not going to forget that. Okay. No, but I still think that, that Vicky is a far, far more well-rounded character than Susan ever was. It's like they've learned from the mistakes of all the things they didn't do with Susan. So you're saying one character. of the things that makes this good is that it reminds you how bad the episode before it was. No, they've learned from previous mistakes and they know how to develop a character now. They know how to get the well-rounded. The, the entirety of Susan's mistakes are rectified in the opening scene <laughs> of this, like, literally a minute and a half long and you're saying that in this minute and a half this actress manages to show every single emotion possible and that's a good thing yes <laughs> that's not that admittedly like, it might sound like grasping at straws but I stand by that no <laughs> if you're showing that many emotions in such a short space of time that's not acting that's a disorder yeah and don't go grasping at the straws you'll ruin the set <laughs> Okay, right, right, fine, I'll, I'll take that one in turn, that's fine, I'll stand right, by it. Okay. Okay. So, obviously, the rescue ship that's uh, coming back to them is, is the TARDIS, obviously, which has seemingly landed silently, but these people are waiting on another rescue ship, which is apparently about, what is it, weeks away, six weeks away, something like they say? Uh, something like that, something yeah, like, yeah. That, something yeah. like ages, ages and ages. You're kind of still a bit mystified as to how these two people ended up here. And how they've survived for this long yeah. for the rescue ship. Well, they've crashed, haven't they? Have, have they eaten everyone else? <laughs> There's no indication of... No, 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 no. They're veggies, aren't they? It's not as if they're running out of food and kind of desperate for supply. She's skipping around like there's no tomorrow. You know, like she's just come out of school. (laughs) She's busy training local animals just for fun. (laughs) Exactly. And feeding them. He's busy playing dress-up. Spoilers. (laughs) (laughs) Yes. Uh, They're mostly adaptable, because they've crashed in these surroundings. They've managed to survive. They're existing off the land. They've invented the good life at least, what, 12 years early. Yeah. The original Tom and Barbara, except without Chunky Nightmare. No, uh, well, they might get that, but depending on what, you know, it'll be covered in spoons, by the way. <laughs> but anyway, yeah. um, so we, we, yeah, so say, Dido to the rescue, uh, Dido, uh, we've made the white flag joke, yeah. um, so I'll leave that one. <laughs> um, so yeah, already we've established these two people are in somewhat dire straits, and um, we need to... Uh, they need to get the hell off the planet. Um, Are they not in the bike stripes? Sometimes you get confused depending on what country. Uh, you're uh, it's, it's, yeah, it, uh, it doesn't translate well, does no, it? No, it doesn't translate well. No, um, das Doodlesack. There's in jokes <laughs> that no one in the podcast will know. <laughs> Even Dave's look at that one, kind of going, "That must have been a conversation on the way up here." That we know, Essentially, you get everything from this podcast. You have to at least spend them an hour with us before we even start recording. Yeah, I mean, we do have two spare spaces in the car, so yeah, yeah. maybe we should have a competition at the end. Two unlucky listeners exactly. can <laughs> spend the morning with us before the next recording. Yeah, day. before the two and nine Tesco. Yeah, yeah. So we drive around the dark Keith getting lost. <laughs> if you respond to us on Twitter, we'll enter your name in the drawings. Kidnap you. That's what we do. <laughs> That's what we do. Yeah, beware the van. Um, it happened to me. <clears throat> so. Uh, the, I've got here the doctor's deep in the arms of Morpheus and the trembling has stopped <laughs> um, he's got no idea where they are which is a bit of a what's, you know you're the doctor you're piloting the TARDIS it's your ship you should have a clue where you're going right be fair though the guy's had a hard shift right he spent six weeks fighting off the Dalek invasion of Earth he's had to say goodbye to his granddaughter 
It's a man not entitled to arena. When we get to the Dalek invasion of Earth, uh-huh. and we'll go on about the, the good fight of the granddaughter, <laughs> which <laughs> I, I was reminded about on Twitch the other night. Yes, the most warmly held goodbye. They hug each other. No. Why <laughs> <Bye> then? <laughs> well, you're excited now. Bug it off. <laughs> the doors are locked and I'm no coming back. Maybe one day. Maybe. Um, so they check the old CRT telly. Uh, the doctor at this point does call out for Susan, but she ain't there. See, he's missing them. Yeah. He's he an emotional her. heart and death. He was the, the one that abandoned her and told her to go away with some fella she'd only met for like a day. Well, that, 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 that's true, but again, that is setting a precedent for future Doctor Who. You just leave with people you met three weeks yeah, ago. Yeah, exactly, you can. And have a relationship and get married to them. Yeah, or at least, you know, he's no Welsh biologist, that's all I'm saying. Right then, um, this is the point where, now, you have to kind of look at some Doctor Who at some era and kind of think to yourself, yeah, this is very much of its time. Am I mistaken at this point that Barbara, and he was Women's Liberation for you, is shown by the doctor how to open a door. <laughs> the patronising git. Cameron, it was a different time. When women couldn't possibly leave buildings or nope. enter buildings without being shown doors. by a man how to turn a door handle. She has to be told not to open the doors in transit as well. It's the 1960s. <clears> a different time. She might hug it all emotional. <laughs> and just flap about the place. Oh, it's not the Jetson, one emotional woman. Oh, well, yeah, exactly. Deal with the other. Exactly. Coming in with her feelings. Um, oh yeah, I forgot to mention earlier on we've been told to watch out for by the two people on the ship we watch out is it Quilliam or Quilliam Quilliam Quill- I was writing this down I think I've got three different spellings of this the the monster in question and he yeah this is so the, 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 he will appear later on with the appearance of Kermit's older brother yeah pretty much you know it's like Kermit <laughs> the Frog got really into <laughs> knives and really into like gang warfare we'd have this guy are you, are you getting confused with a recent plotline in EastEnders? Have you been watching the Muppet Show back to back with Probably, it? yeah. Okay, yeah right, probably right. Husband, yeah. the two can in a lot. Yeah, the two can, yeah, they can yeah. in a lot. Yeah, they that's 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 um, But before that, the Doctor encourages um, Barbara to walk around. Well, he just goes for another kip. Yeah. So yeah. much for brave Doctor. So much for leading the charge at this new... Yeah, you humans, you just... Um, just bugger off on this planet and just take a little walk around. He's a callous bastard. But he's man. an old man. He's an old callous bastard <laughs> in this. <laughs> okay, all right. Well, fair enough. He's an old, heartless, callous bastard. He dumps his granddaughter away, a man that she's only just met. But he still needs a little bit of downtime for now. You know, it's, it's fine. I'll, I'll put this to the listenership. Two hearts and no warmth in either of them. <laughs> yeah, they're not sure about the situation when they find the, the uh, crash ship. Because uh, Barbara and Ian do go for a little dan about the place. Aye, well, they, that, they do start off in caves, like every single really, really good Doctor Who story does always involve caves. What did they walk out the TARDIS and see straight away? Rocks! Rocks! Yep. <laughs> you know what you're on, you're a good thing if you see rocks in Doctor Who. Rocks! Yep. So, but then Kermit comes and finds them. Uh, he's probably going to just forever be Kermit now, <laughs> yeah. in these notes. Stuff Quillum, 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 because Quillum sounds like something you'd buy to eat in Holland and Barra. Um, so, uh, Kermit finds them, or oh, Nicey Kermit. Nicey <laughs> Kermit. I'll cut you up. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna cut your face, bitch! <laughs> in the alternative universe, Miss Piggy is a ham sandwich. Right, that's all. By a pond somewhere. <laughs> Just gammon. <laughs> Sorry, you can't say it. I mean, can you? Yeah, no, I'm saying that. Oh, okay. Racist. Oh, 
Um, uh, so Kermit wants to meet the Doctor and uh, take him to the city. Uh, but in the end, uh, during this skirmish, Kermit pushes Barbara off the ledge. Yeah, he, he blocks off the access back to the TARDIS and leaves his massive tool there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that's what a greeting that would be. <laughs> we've, we've all done that, haven't we? We have, yeah. yeah. But as we've established, surely all they could have done is just went to the opening of the cave where the TARDIS was beyond and just put a door there because there's no way Barbara's going to get past that. Yeah. Unless somebody <laughs> shows her, obviously. Yeah. <laughs> somebody it's shows easy her. to knock up, just get a bit of MDF. Yeah, yeah, a nice bit of MDF. Yeah, that'd be fine, wouldn't it? That'd be grand. Absolutely grand. Like, are supposed to be defending this? But should we bring attention to uh, Ian's insensitive hand gestures? The doctor goes back into the TARDIS for a wee lie down. Yeah. Now, Ian suggests that he's getting a bit old and doddery, but does this, <laughs> right? Now, I know Donald Trump almost got away with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah, basically he goes spaz hands. Yeah. yeah. For want of a better phrase, yeah, sure. Well, 60s spaz hands, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> we don't agree with that at this point in time, but no. that's what he was doing. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It was acceptable in the 60s. Yeah. I've put a note on here saying that the Doctor seriously does have Alzheimer's or something like that at this stage. <laughs> okay. Yeah. Barbara seems to be held down. <laughs> oh, he just left that hanging. <laughs> yeah. Oh, okay, he's completely got Alzheimer's. Moving on to the rocks. Moving on to the rocks. Barbara seems to be held down by a twig. Hold on, hold on. We've got to explore this further. What's the basis of him having Alzheimer's? What? He just seems to be shouting at folk. Right. Or he's just doing sort of walk around in his permanent haze. Isn't that just the doctor? No! In every incarnation. No! Why did Colin Baker walk around in a haze? He was never kind of like going, okay, try to strangle Perry, we know that. But beyond that, <laughs> <laughs> when did he ever, it just seems to be, you know, just totally of his own, kind of like, uh, just walking yeah. around. And he seems oblivious to the fact there's other people who might be in danger, who he sent off to be in that danger, mm-hmm. and doesn't seem, he just wants to go to sleep. You know. This, uh, admittedly, without that, it might have been one of the most boring Doctor Who stories ever if it was just him kipping in a chair. Or something <laughs> kind of <laughs> I, I don't know, we'd still watch it, wouldn't we? Probably, yeah. no, we probably would. We'd still argue about it as well. Oh, yeah, yeah. Can you yeah, imagine if that was a missing episode, though? Waiting years for this thing to come back? All you've got is a Doctor and a Wicker chair having a wee snooze for half an hour. Ian living it up a corner in <laughs> So that would be good. Yeah, yeah. 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 So Barbara's held down by seemingly one twig and one twig only. Yep, she's trapped under the weight of her own unkempt. Obviously, yep. <laughs> Sorry, there's going to be lots of these sort of jokes over the next uh, few episodes. Oh dear. Look at here, the doc finds Ian after an explosion and... Uh, I can't even read my own handwriting here, I've also written this quickly. Explosion of some kind? I can't remember now. Yeah, the rocks fall. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. He yeah, yeah, uses yeah, his yeah, massive to bring some rocks down. Yes, yes. But the doctor doesn't seem to give a complete stuff about Barbara. <laughs> no. <laughs> well, at the, all. the woman is expendable, yeah. Nobody yeah, yeah, does. yeah. Pretty much. No one seems to give a stuff. You know, she can't even open the door without being told. I've actually read the man notes everybody's dies, nothing matters. That's literally in my notes. Like, he just doesn't care. <laughs> <laughs> yep, that's it. Um, maybe maybe oh. it's because he's now realised that people are replaceable in the TARDIS. Got rid of one, got a new one. Yeah, oh, got a new one. Like, yeah, they just come along. It's just like keep doing that forever. Then it's like cats. You just keep finding one dies. You keep finding a stray. They just yeah. come, you know, like that. Don't it? Yeah, so that's it. <laughs> they, we then go back to the the Kermits are apparently friendly when the doc was last year. Yeah. So he's not quite sure what's going on with the whole thing. Yeah. Now he's remembered where he landed the TARDIS <laughs> when he's driving in a sleepy days. Exactly. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Back to the Alzheimer's, he was just out for a drive and landing somewhere, doesn't know where it is, so he's going to have another nap. Yeah, exactly. Kermit is aboard the ship, 
um, or both the Fairy Liquid Bottle, and he tells Vicky that he is the only protection that they've got from his people. Yeah. You have to stay with me or you'll die. Pretty much that's what it is. Yeah. Um, A little bit of an abusive relationship there, but, you know, somewhat, somewhat. Kermit then goes and wants to talk to Bennett. By this time, I'm just going to skip ahead a little bit because Barbara is aboard the ship, isn't she? And she's aboard the Fairy Liquid Bottle. Yeah, after falling in that five doctors inkling. Yeah, exactly. She's released from the grip of a twig. And um, she ends up, Vicky ends up sort of stashing her under a sack somewhere in the corner of this room. Yeah, but, but I, I kind of thought it was a bit insensitive. They could kill her, you compare her under a sack, you know, being dragged along the ground. I mean, come on, like, she's dressed loudly, but, you know, she wouldn't still have feelings. Well... She can't open the door, but she has feelings. No, she can't open the door, yeah. She, she can have feelings, but just in her own room, um, away from doorknobs and things like that. This is the bit also that she might want to keep her voice down. Um, <laughs> while she's in the rescue ship, because about the re- you know about the rescue ship, because she seems to do, they seem to just shout this great plan for this um, alien fella not wanting to know or not needing to know. They seem to just sort of bellow out the plan for him not needing to know about the rescue ship and trying to keep it a secret and on the low down. They just shout about it, and he could be you know, oh, it could be anywhere, anywhere. There's rescue ship. <laughs> no, don't tell him about the rescue ship. <laughs> no, why would you do what? such a thing? Whatever you do, don't let him hear the plan. No. Uh, Vicky then mentions all the other crew are dead. Yep. Um, and Vicky also reckons that uh, Kermit's gone away and killed the TARDIS crew too yeah. with his knife. Oh, she has a nice wee emotional scene here. She recalls her dead father. She's shown a bit more range, isn't she? She's uh, Ronnie Bryan's selling, you know, how heartbreaking it is to lose all her family and friends and how she, alone she feels. All those emotions. All those emotions. It's all, all the ones she can use up in the first three minutes when we saw. <laughs> all those emotions, she just yep. use them up. She just suddenly remembered she had one left in the bag. Yep, exactly. Oh, the sack. Is it then pointed out that they've never seen any of the other um, aliens on this planet? It's always just been Kermit. Yeah, it's, uh, but is there not find out later on Kermit's killed them all as well? Apart from maybe one or two? I think so, yeah. May or may not appeal at the end of the episode. Spoilers. I say, they're having full-blown conversations about all this with Kermit about the place. Uh, Bennett meets Barbara, because Bennett manages to sort of limp through the door. No limp jokes, Lee. I could hear you giggling. <laughs> well, as soon as camera say limp through the door, I could hear you giggling. childish, isn't it? It's it is. so childish. You'll, you'll do anything to try and defend the sense of making stupid jokes. So we're back to Ian and the Doctor after all this. Yeah. Um, who are trying to get out of the caves because they've left the TARDIS. Doctors finally woke up. And uh, they find a beast in a pit. Which is actually probably a bit of tarpaulin. And someone kind of crawling around underneath it. Could be anything <laughs> in the dark. <laughs> How did you put it, Dave? Uh, Finger mouse in a sleeping bag, That's I believe. <laughs> still too soon. <laughs> too soon. I'm sorry if that pain is still raw. That pain's still raw. It's just there all the time. Sometimes um, it's more fun when it's raw. <laughs> this whole process seems to take absolutely bloody ages. And they find a door with uh, two handles either side of it. Mm-hmm. Um, I have put a note on here saying how bloody big do these handles need to be because they're quite fucking huge. Yeah, they are. Uh, for what they seem to be used for, they're quite big. And then um, Ian um, is standing on one side of this sort of ledge and there's this little kind of like cage thing that appears at the wall yep. and then these knives come in and it's going to drop them into the pit yep. with uh, sleeping bag danger. He gets in massive trouble for fingering a ring that he shouldn't have. Yes, exactly. <laughs> exactly. 
So that's the cliffhanger. Yeah, that's an almost literal cliffhanger. Yes, yeah. yeah, I was just thinking that. Paving the way for all classics later on, like the cliffhanger to Dragonfire. Taking it absolutely to the most literal degree you can. Yes, yeah. yes. Trailblazing, that's what the rescue is. Trailblazing. Well, <laughs> now, <laughs> I've got a problem. <laughs> yeah. Is it, is it the back to the finger mouse? <laughs> it's a second door on the left camera. We'll wait for you to come back. <laughs> the I can afford that when he sat, didn't yeah. <laughs> The problem I would have is that surely cliffhangers are great if they're actually not resolved in literally three seconds of the solid episode. <laughs> Did Russell T. Davis right there. But, but there's no examples of cliffhanger not being resolved in the first few seconds of yeah, but the like, episode. Yeah, there's of, like, you know, of, of, of having a slightly bigger impact than this does. Because <laughs> we start the second episode and it's literally just kind of going, oh, just step over here. Yeah. <laughs> and that's it. Look, it was a house style. You he could have done that. You can't pick in the rescue for having a house style. That's... You know, have one million more people have tuned in for this. <laughs> yeah. And this is the first thing they see. They've tuned in to see a man being resourceful with his Savile Row suit, which I'm proud of is bloody good tailoring. That it's not had a single tear in it, not a single rip, despite being placed in really not a sharp pointy knives. Oh mm-hmm. yeah, because he grips them quite hard at one point and goes, oh that's razor sharp. Yeah, I mean you're a chef, is, it, that, is that how you test your knives? Oh, oh, just yeah. beat the hand I right around it. the blades yeah. as hard as I can. <laughs> and then somebody goes, uh, uh, if you just stop doing that and walk around it, it'll be fine. <laughs> and that's how it always gets fixed. Exactly. I hope you have the most pathetic cliffhanger resolution ever. Well, I don't know, he's been resourceful, he's thinking on his feet, he's a man of action, isn't he? But you'll find he's just walking on his feet. Right? <laughs> just walking and leaning across <laughs> and going, just over here, just sit round. Okay. Just sit round, it's fine. Alright, so maybe he does gently stroll away from the danger. Yeah, exactly. But it's, it's still exciting. It's I think exciting. sedate is the word we would use. <laughs> sedate. What's the most casual way I can get myself out of this danger? Out of danger, yeah. So, uh, we have the back with Vicky, Barbara and Bennett. Yep. Um, Bennett wakes up, and there's a whole idea that they can team up and um, go off and solve this whole mystery and uh, get off this rock with the, you know, get the rescue ship down. Blah 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 blah. Is this not the moment that Barbara also gives away the fact that the TARDIS is a time machine and they can just escape on that instead? Okay, admittedly, okay, she does blab a lot more than she should have. Yeah, it's yeah. just like yeah, shut it. <laughs> but, uh, but but in her defence, she doesn't know that old Bennett, blunt leg Bennett. Lying in the bed there, please, jazz hands. Is uh, that's a baddie? He's just a mortally, oh, could be a mortally wounded guy for all she knows, and she's just trying to help him out. Absolutely no reason to doubt him. Right, no reason to mention that it's a time machine you've got though. No, there's no reason to mention you. You're okay. like, oh, we've got this. That's okay. amazing. So she doesn't even have permission. She can't even get in the door. <laughs> Literally. Uh, she can once she's been taught. Right? I suppose she's taught to get out, but not to get in. Uh, so, you know, she'll need to be told that as well. And it has to be repeated, obviously. Yeah. Because, you know, they might, she might not absorb this information fully. Because she might be too busy in the 60s thinking about, you know, like, makeup and the Beatles. Yeah. You know. So, whatever. Yeah, it's the mid-60s, so she won't be thinking about women's rights yet. No, <laughs> not at all. No, no, no. Well, they hadn't been invented then, had they? No, they hadn't been invented. No, 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 no. <clears throat> um, the Doc and Ian are still fiddling with this door, trying to get through this door in the cave. Yep, still fiddling the ring. Yep, yep. It's not... It, it, they spend an awful lot of time on just this... 
this notion about them trying to get through this bloody door. Door opening, see, for him being telling people how to open doors, he seems to be not able to do it himself. That's <laughs> all I'm saying. Maybe it's because nobody taught him this door yet. No, taught him this door yet. Every door's different. Yeah. That's what you need to bear in mind. Well, he's probably confused. He's not got a ribbon there to mansplain it. Exactly, yeah. exactly, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. He doesn't know what exactly. to do. Yeah, he doesn't know what to do. He, he, can't, man, open he can't mansplain it yourself. Yeah. That's, just, yeah. That's, not, that's not right. Back to the fair liquid bullship. Um, Vicky ends up outside just tending to plant life. Yeah, uh-huh. and doing a bit of Gardner's world. She's she's getting together with Mule, isn't it? They, they, she asks Barbara to set the table. You know, yeah. might be model day, Jackie Collier might be lurking in the corner, but there's still a place for teen manners. Well, yeah, 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 yeah. So I'll give them that. I'll give them that. Um, but uh, Vicky ends up where this uh, the beastie is, and um, they're gonna. Um, she looks like she's gonna get eaten. It's yep. a tense, tense moment. It is. It's very tense. Which is then resolved by Barbara, cold-blooded killer that she is, shooting the damn thing. Well, I'm going to have to differ with you there. It's, it's shown on our side of Barbara. It's Barbara the badass gun to an action hero with a flare. I think it's more of a party popper than a flare, let's I think be honest. So, yeah. but, but, but can we upgrade it to sparkler? No. no. To make it seem slightly more impressive? No. No, no party popper? To be honest, all she had to do was be bathe some salt down. <laughs> yeah. And that would have been alright. It just melted. Mm. That's it. Oh, but maybe just shout a warning. Not not waiting just to fire a gun or something. No, it's it's look out there's something in a sleeping bag slowly crawling towards you. Yeah. Not not run away, get a gun and kill it. Like it's, they have to accept it's the emotional high point of the episode. Nobody likes to see a pet's demise. I mean, we've seen Marley and me, right? I've not actually. I refuse to watch it. They're a heartless monster then. No, that's why I refuse to watch it, because I'm not ah, a heartless monster. Right, right, right. Well, it's the same thing. If I watched it endlessly, I'd be a heartless monster. <laughs> if I just watched the end of it, I'd be a heartless <laughs> fucking monster. But I don't want to watch it, because I know the story. Okay. It's the same thing with Sandy. Sandy's a beloved pet. It's a tragic end. It's, it's packed with emotion. You can't not watch that scene and not get a little tear in your eye. That's true, actually. I did almost cry watching it, because it was just... <laughs> Phil Maxwell not going down the road I thought you were going to go down there (laughs) so Vicky's apparently trained this beast to come for food yeah Yeah. so not only that if she wasn't in danger it also fucks over the cliffhanger we had before because (laughs) even if he'd have fallen into the pit Ian would have been fine yeah he probably would have just snuffled out his pockets looking for sugar cubes yeah exactly well, I don't know, it's, it can be very, very ticklish. That could have been a cliffhanger. Oh, Jesus. No, no. You're no, ruining no, the set straws you're clutching at. So I'll just put here, we get Barbara sheepishly kind of wandering around the ship and uh, Vicky is a bit sort of annoyed that obviously her pet died. So this is awkward. Uh, until the Doctor and Ian show up. Hey, the men are on the scene. Yes, the men are on the scene, everything's fine now. And the doctor just gives her some tissues and tells her to calm down. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Blow your nose and wipe your face. Stop being emotional, dear. Stop being emotional, that's not worth it. Your eyes look a bit puffy, by the way. And then, I've got down here, for being uh, a, a show called, you know, a story called The Rescue, there's not much rescuing going on at you. Not at the moment. Not at the moment. Be patient, mm. Cameron, we get there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. It's laying out a story, and it's building to an exciting climax. Yes. Yeah. But it's also just the way that they seem to... Uh, they've killed their pet, and they just expect her to be okay. It's like, oh, well, never mind, never mind, it's all fine. 
But they, they play a long game. This it's not modern. It's not a fucking David Tennant episode. It's not all crammed in the first Blatantly, few seconds. It's not a thing. <laughs> well, it's got a likable doctor for a start. Oh. Yeah. Oh. Dropping that one in there. Don't say I'm the vote, I like it. He's gone there. He's gone there. No, genuinely. I've not got a lot of time for the Academy's Doctor. I know, I remember you talking about how it's you, you don't see the main fascination with him. Lots of problems with the Academy's Doctor. I've got here, so when they get back to Earth, they want the planet wiped out. Is that a bit extreme? So you want the planet wiped out? I'm trying to remember this bit. Ahead, yeah. I, I don't know, I've got this, uh, oh no, edit this bit out. <laughs> <laughs> so I totally derailed myself. Research and action. Uh, da, 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 da. Oh, I've got the, when they get back to Earth, they the planet might go a bit extreme. Yeah, never mind. Oh, uh, that, that didn't happen. Anyway, <laughs> 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 okay. It's just a bit with this, like, you know, Barbara's nice and honest, but she's just a cool blooded killer. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um, Yes. Good in an emergency. Oh, is it? Yeah, ah, yeah. It doesn't let him. With a flare gun. Yes. With a flare gun. Yeah. Then the doctor kind of thinks he's going to. Um, he, he tries to go and see Bennett. Yeah. Doesn't he? And then when he approaches the door, you know, he hears a voice from inside going, You can't come in. So he just forces his way in anyway. Yeah. Well, you, you don't tell the doctor what not to do. Callous old bastard. He might be an old ordinary man, but he can Oops. pick up a girder. Oops. A very, very light girder. Yeah. And smash down a flimsy door with it. Probably made of MDF. Yeah, yeah, oh yeah probably made of MDF. Yeah. Would you stop pointing around the house every time you see MDF? <laughs> Let's not forget, can we just point out that's not how you open the door? <laughs> yeah. Well, something they should tell Barbara that. <laughs> yeah, surely. You don't just take a brick and just whack it. Never mind. Anyway, um, uh, Barbara and Vicky are kind of made up by this point, which seems a bit weird. Yes, admittedly. She's you know, just it's got it's very quickly done. But you um, know what women are like? They just bond really instantly. Yeah, 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 totally. You've killed my women. Yeah. You know what? I'll forgive yeah. you. Yeah. It's okay. all the emotions are all over the shop. Yeah, they exactly. can't be consistent. They can't open doors. It's just... They kill each other's pets. Yeah. Then they forgive each other. Yeah, exactly. Just a roller coaster of emotions with them. Yep. Yeah, this is the bit where Vicky can't quite believe they're from 1963. Um, so, yep, that's all the thing. We've established it. So, oh, it's time travel. Uh, I'm shocked there's not a clock somewhere to miss uh, to emphasize that. Um, <laughs> You're from 1963. I don't believe it. Your dress is as short as mine is. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's almost like it's the same wardrobe. Yeah. Oh. The doctor finds recording equipment in Bennett's room that just speaks his voice, and Bennett's nowhere to be seen. Yeah, it's never explained how he's managed to set it up so that if somebody just says hello at his door, then it plays a Yeah, it's tape. a really intricate system. Go on. Good point there, Dave. I didn't uh, yeah. put that one down. Yeah. Like, is it sound activating? In which case, it would just have a conversation all the time. Is it motion sensitive? Is it just randomly playing bits of Ben's voice in the hope that somebody's at the door? <laughs> just in which case, it was really lucky the doctor was there. <laughs> you know, just like, do you want a cup of tea, Bennett? You can't come in! <laughs> One sugar or two, you well, can't come in! Maybe Bennett's just not making conversation. Maybe well, yeah, he's exactly. only got one or two stock phases. Well, he's like, I am Groot. Like, <laughs> yeah, pretty just, much. Yeah. Everyone <laughs> can understand him, but it's just like, to you, it just sounds like you can't come in. <laughs> oh boy, anyway. Carry him. Yeah, hello. We're at the bed where the daughter's wandering around Bennett's room, touching all his stuff. <laughs> okay. He is. <laughs> Playing his tapes, looking through his diary, <laughs> rummaging through his drawers. It's a bit like a younger sibling being let into the older sibling's room, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah, but I'll just, I'll just play the music, I'll have a look and see what's in here. Oh, a trapdoor! 
Yeah. Yeah. A massive crap door. But the doctor's on the case. He's smart. He's wily. He knows things. He knows. By pulling the lever and finding the trap door and then floor by yeah. chance. Mm. But he's working it out. He's known all along what's going on here. He knows that the Didons, or whatever you want to call them, Didos, Didies? Diddlies. Diddlies. The Diddly Diddlies, right? They know, he knows that they're a peaceful race. And when he hears about this monster wandering around with big claws, big teeth, knives, shanked up. Knifey Kermit. Yeah. He puts, he, that triggers something in his brain. He knows. Yeah, something's... We'll get, to that. we'll get to that in a bit, but he's got it worked out. The doctor right, okay. knows what he's doing. Safe pair of hands. So then he goes for a nap. <laughs> yeah, it's a little like it was a bed there. Yeah. Ian goes off to find uh, Bennett in the room, but uh, I said the doctor's found the trap door, which leads back down to the cave. Which is convenient. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Because well. we just, uh, they literally just crash landed on <laughs> an opening to the cave. And that, or has he dug that? We don't know how long that tunnel is. Has he just been sat there with a wee spoon? Sweeping <laughs> out a tunnel. It's like a to victory. Yeah. <laughs> it's like, they actually cut a seat from the end of this where he goes on a quad bike and leaps over the TARDIS. <laughs> <laughs> <very, very>, yeah. <laughs> uh, and then we're, uh, the Doctor uh, disappears off down this uh, this spoon dug tunnel. Yeah. Um, probably one of the spoons and the knives that were on Knifey Kermit. That's, uh, <laughs> that's probably what he's done. Admittedly, that scene could have been played a little bit better if Hartman had just been hiding behind the door to be coming looking for him. Yeah. And sniggering around away. <laughs> I'd keep nothing but a plot, but it'd be funny. No, it'd just be funny. It'd be funny. Then we find that the the doctor meets Kermit in some little sort of <laughs> underground temple thing that he's discovered. Right. Well, I, well, right. I'm gonna have to stop you there. Right. All right. The ceremonial chamber. Yeah. For something that's pretty sparse and obviously has not a lot, not a lot of money spent on it, it's well shot. That looks good. That looks atmospheric, and that sets up a nice showdown between the doctor and Bennett. Hartnell gets to act his socks off in that scene. Gets to be a man of action. Gets to swing a club around. Gets to fight off Bennett. You're looking at me disbelieving here. I'll, when you say fight off, yeah, yeah, yeah. it's not exactly Hong Kong cinema. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. It's no, he's no Jackie Chan. There's a tense face off. It resorts to violence of action. You're chucking a lot in there. Uh, That's good stuff. There is a tense face off. Yeah. And there is action, but I wouldn't say it's intense action. But it's, it's fairly intense, if you like short, inconsequential fight scenes. It, it's basically the two blokes squaring up to each other outside Weatherspoons. <laughs> One of them holding a rusty umbrella. Even Billy's not worth it! Strangely, it's the short man with the rusty umbrella that pushes the big, heavy, set, burly bloke out of his way. Well, yeah, I mean, big blokes are essentially weak. <laughs> oh, oh, no, let me justify this in case you... Are those words you use outside Weatherspoons? <laughs> yeah, you're a big you're bad, but you're essentially weak. I'm going to get you that on a t-shirt for every time you're out in town at a gig. <laughs> big blokes are essentially weak. And right on the back, especially Dorman. Well, uh, <laughs> well it's a fine dirty term, this, and this I can usually take down a big lad. Don't. <laughs> I know she's scantily dressed, but that's not what she's going for. Achieves it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so did I. But I still think that's a, I, I thought that's a good scene that makes the episode. You get to um, see Parmel getting his show the ruthless side of the bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. It does explain why they're the only two left, why their ship crashed, why you now want to kill everyone else. Yeah. It doesn't explain why, you know, 
he would decide to murder hundreds of people. No, it seems an awful. You're dealing with someone who's quite sort of genocidal here. Yeah, yeah. straight for the nuclear option. Yeah. Not complete mistaken identity, not any of that thing. Uh, I just killed everyone aboard the ship and crashed it. Okay, so it's just me that's impressed by two men flinging a couple of chairs about. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Alright. Uh, we'll get to flinging chairs with two of us. A bit early for that. Uh, the doctor attacks him with a destructible wrench. <laughs> yep. And uh, two crew, crew members just turn up randomly. Yeah, they left it kind of late in the day to get involved, Yeah, they? a little bit. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's just like kind of going, oh, suddenly it's like, oh yeah, we need these guys now. Um, bugger. Uh, here they come. Yeah. Yeah. And then the doctor gets knocked out and then wakes up again in the TARDIS. What's that all about? It's just like, oh yeah. I'm quite pleased that you skipped past the part where Bennett falls to his doom from about five feet up. Yeah. 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 Uh, but that's fine. But yeah, not yeah, that's no, 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 that's it. That's it. I just, yeah. he doesn't, he, yeah. Uh, but, exactly. but if he's weak enough to get pushed around by an 80 year old man with Alzheimer's, <laughs> then yeah, that fall probably would kill him. Probably, yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. I know it may have been a bit out of place, but I would have liked to see Vicky be the one to dispatch Bennett. This guy's tormented her, manipulated her all this time. Yes. It'd been nice for her to be the one to, uh, maybe not directly bump him off, but have some sort of... That's such a modern feminist point of view. <laughs> what she needed was you another man to right, listen, listen, women can open doors, right? They can do anything. <laughs> right, sisters? Wow. Um, I'll be on Verity next week. Exactly. I just got here. Vicky has been through a lot emotionally in this in this second half of this story. Yeah, she's yeah. had a pet die. Uh huh. No, she's had her pet be murdered. In front yeah, she's of had her pet murdered in front of her. More the point. Yeah. Yeah. She's had to basically make friends with the pet murderer. Uh huh. Yeah. Pretty quickly. Now she discovers that the person she trusted in Bennett was lying through his teeth all the time, and was dressing up as an alien purely to intimidate her, and that she was going to possibly get bumped off as well fairly soon. Yeah. Because he was a bastard. Mm-hmm. And now she's kind of... Not only that, she's not the rescue ship that's not going to be coming for weeks for her. Because she doesn't actually sort of know... Sort of... Not been to TARDIS yet. So she goes through a lot emotionally. Yeah. And she portrays it. Very, very well. As we discussed... <laughs> within about 30 seconds of music. <laughs> as long as it's just done, it's fine. It doesn't matter how long it takes. Mm. <laughs> So, uh, as put here, Vicky's been left outside the TARDIS all this time. Yeah, well, that's There's some great discussion about, oh, are we going to take her with her? She can stay outside for a bit. There seems to be this, like, access rule that goes on in the TARDIS. You know, as soon as you're left out of it and you're going to be out of it, the doors are closed and that's it. And then if you're outside, and you have to have some committee meeting to let you in. Oh, oh right. But to be fair, she's outside because she can't lock the door. She's a woman. She hasn't been shown it. True, yeah, actually, yeah. Been shown yeah, 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 yeah. So it's character development. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. They're all thinking this. So Vicky goes as well. We get the usual. Oh, but the, it's huge. Because she was thinking that the Tardis was. <laughs> they could go and get his wrench out again. Yeah. Would <laughs> you look at the size of that thing, Doctor? <laughs> um, we then get a back to the ship with a few liquid bottle, and two crew guys come out and rip out the uh, radar on the radio yeah. um, whilst the voice of the rescue ship is kind of like they don't want to be rescued. So they break well, they're the natives, They're natives, died in dildo. Oh, they did the squat. They did the yeah. Ah, yes. They did the yes, yes, yes. Ah, yes. But they just rip it out. Not sure why they do that. 
Well, I'll be fair, the last time a visiting ship arrived on the planet, one hairy beardy guy murdered all their uh, pals. So, you know... I uh, put on their fancy dress costume. Yeah, aye. <laughs> their ceremonial Yeah, a, pissing about in their ceremonial Kermit costume. Meanwhile, someone lassie turned an animal tame and then had a friend kill them. Yeah, exactly, yeah, and a friend kill it. It's just a nightmare. He's probably gone around and torn down that statue of Gonzo that built it in the yeah, ceremonial exactly, yeah, 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 yeah. And then uh, the TARDIS... Um, Falls down a hole. Yep, again, a very little cliff, literal cliffhanger. How was that one resolved then? But it's exciting though. We'll find out that that's resolved in about two and a half years when we draw the Romans. Yeah. Yeah, so stay tuned. <laughs> so, um, that's, it's it's not much to it. It's not much to it, but it doesn't have to be packed full of things. It does, it does what it's supposed to do. It's there to introduce a new companion, which it does well. It's not... Somebody turns up in the last five minutes, oh, do you want to come with us? You know, we've got a bit of light in the staff now. You know, we come with us if you want. That's the way they have to then consider, to, you know, is it, is it, it was almost as if the consideration was, well, we could take her, or we could just leave her on this planet to the mercy of whoever, uh, with no pet, no companion, <laughs> a broken ship, and just a party dress on. That's what we could do. Uh, what do we do? Uh, well, can she open doors? <laughs> well, we can teach her. Yeah, fair enough then, go on. Not a problem. Like, Maureen O'Brien does a brilliant job in this. Let me see this. Vicky is a very underrated companion. Well, we're Overlooked. not here to discuss ratings of companions. We're here to discuss the episode. Yeah, but she features in this episode. That's, so that's... I'm not, say, I'm, I'm not saying the rescue should be judged on how the character develops later on. You're making it sound like the rescues are high point. I guess worse from there. I'm not using it as a bit of evidence to present. I'm just saying. Vicky is a very underrated companion. Well, what evidence have you got to present that this is a good episode and a good story? Everything I've just said. And my closing statement will sum that up quite nicely. Oh, you do your closing statement. Right, okay. Uh, but how can you dislike the rescue? It's a perfect introduction story. You get a fully realised backstory and a grasp of Vicky's character in just two episodes. Two episodes, count them. One, two. Two episodes. Mercifully brief. <laughs> So thanks to character moments being allowed time to breathe and achieves a perfect balance between this and telling a good story. So you know, yeah, nothing's being sacrificed to the expense of the other. Uh, ben is a sinister villain with understandable motivations. He is. He's murdered the crew. Doesn't want anybody else to find out about it. So manipulates Vicky into thinking that nobody's coming. You know. But it's a bit of a kind of why has he murdered everyone to begin with? Because he's a Roman. <laughs> So that's I'm sorry. I'm sorry if I'm simplifying this a bit. He's too a much, Roman. He's a Roman. Yeah. So Most murderers generally are coming. Well, you know, he's a Roman, so he killed everyone. <laughs> yeah. He, he that's a little more than wrong. I'd yeah. say that's probably just that's just sick and wrong. Yeah. Carry on. Sorry. That's all right. Uh, right. To sum up, this is the story for me when Hartman becomes the Doctor that we know. He's freed of the constraints of being Susan's protector, so he's he's the old man from here on in. He's not having to play the grandfather role. He's sort of become a kindly, avuncular, warm, charming, meaning man with a line of steel running through. So it becomes the doctor we now know. Uh, the story zips long, it's well rounded, you never get a feeling it's half formed. It's a perfect wee nugget of 1960s Doctor Who. Basically, a vote against the rescue is akin to kicking a puppy in the face. Your choice, listeners, your choice. Not guilty in a million years. How ugly is the puppy? It's not the most attractive puppy. It's, it's a slug puppy. It's, it's, it's a slug. Can I wear my, my jack boots? You can, if you wish. If you can tone yourself up. They've got a couple of inches on them. You can wear the rest of the uniform as well if you want, Cameron. <laughs> jack boots, no lobby, don't judge. 
<laughs> Much like you do today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> tried to put the full regalia. Even grew the moustache. Um, yeah, I'm shocked no one noticed. Shall I do my... Go for it. That's right, okay. The rescue is a steaming pile of shite. Because it is a complete non-story. That they say, when we look back on the history of Doctor Who, no one will sit there and go, oh yeah, do you remember the rescue? That was an utter pinnacle of Doctor Who. And they say, no one has ever done that. But it's not trying to be the utter pinnacle of Doctor Who, is it? It's there to tell a simple story. But at least it would be memorable, but it's not memorable. It's memorable in the way that it's the first new companion we ever meet. It's, it's just not in any... No one looks back at that until this point. The Doctor, for all you saying, it's like, oh, this is the Doctor coming into his own face. He's still a cranky old fuck. <laughs> That's all he is. He just, Hasn't he always been, though? Hartnell is just callous. As I say, two hearts, knee warmth in either of them. Well, you say callous. He's come a long way since fitting the brain in a caveman's skull for rock because he's slowing them down a little bit. Well, it's an advance, but he's still not exactly, he's still <laughs> yeah. not a people person. It's not a bit of stuck character development, isn't it? Yeah, aye, of course, yes. Susan going and disappearing, well not disappearing, but being kicked out of the tower, essentially, <laughs> is glossed over it's completely. It's basically, it's the same with the pet uh, shoot, it's like kind of going, one minute it's like, oh well, we're very, very sad. Yeah, well, carry on. No problem at all, no problem at all. I, think I would put to you, Adric got more of a send-off than this. At least Adric had, the whole, had the whole quiet credits going on. At least Adric had something like that, but no, 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 no. Uh, the costume of the monster looks like he's been dragged through a drawer of spoons <laughs> and knives and other cutlery. <coughs> uh, the cliffhanger between the two episodes is utter balls because it's resolved by just going, yep, just it, thanks, at the end of it. Uh, the actual mystery is resolved pretty quietly and fairly quickly and that's pretty much it in just what seems like one stream of dialogue and exposition. But it doesn't have to be all bells and whistles, Cameron. But that's what I'm at. We, what we need to do. We're comparing this on what watching it now. And for the final point, I would just say it's Doctor Who does Scooby Doo, but just not as well. So that's yep. it, folks. That's the rescue. Shall we get onto the support and evidence before the judge sums up? Go. Okay. Yeah, we need to talk yourself amongst yourselves because I'm not very prepared. <whistles> you can show Dave how to open a door while you're in. <laughs> so now I'm old girl, am I? <laughs> <laughs> Your house is made of MDF and you're a woman. <laughs> yeah. Things you never knew when you woke up this morning. Yeah. I said my place of love, Dave. <laughs> I don't want to see your place of love. <laughs> it's misspelled as palace of love. <laughs> my place of love's just a massive fish. My flipstick on. It's like the end of Gremlins too. <laughs> oh, yeah, here we go. Uh, from the uh, supporting, well, supporting and prosecuting evidence, uh, Jester Mouse, who it turns out lives up the road from me. No, I followed her. Honestly, <laughs> she posted posted pictures to Christopher from the off. Anyway, maybe she doesn't live near you. Maybe she just posts pictures that are near you. Maybe she's stalking you. Yeah, you know, it's complicated. This stalking thing, isn't it? Yeah. Anyway, Jester Mouse says the rescue should sue Stupid Roof for effectively copying the plot of every single episode. Hashtag, if it wasn't for you pesky time travellers, I would have got away with it. Mm-hmm. She then does go on to say, does that make Actrix scrappy do? Oh, that's uh, good. Okay. That's a, this is a whole episode. That is good. Yeah. yeah, yeah, that is. I like that. That's, yeah, actually, yeah. yeah. I mean, Scrappy, do you die? 
Let's hope so. Well, I can only hope, yeah. We were talking about keeping a puppy not long ago. Yeah. I, think, well, actually, no, no, I do remember there was an episode, the final episode of the Scooby-Doo Adventures where they drown him in a cup. Yeah. 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 Good. Something to do with arthritis. I, I yeah, something to do with arthritis of the hand. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think that may be the only... <laughs> Evidence we got for the rest of oh, oh, no, 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 oh. hold on. No, right. sorry, sorry. Right. Uh, I'm getting ahead of myself. Uh, Jeff Waddle uh, on Twitter uh, said, Cocky Leaky is a quite a good villain, uh, considering he's just a sad sack for the face and has the eyes of Morbius many years before he came onto the scene. Uh, the two dildos at the end make a surprise appearance for no reason. If they're stuck, And Cocky Leaky is gone. P.S. Sandy is cool. Sandy the Sand Beast. Yeah. No. Yeah. No. Okay. Is that all the sporting evidence we've got? I uh, I think almost like anyone's forgotten about this episode. <laughs> it doesn't come up very often, doesn't it? Weird that. Yeah. Even if they watched it recently, they might have forgotten. Yeah, they're yeah, just yeah. gonna look at it and kind of go, "It's not even worth defending." There's another one. No. 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 Nope, Thanks for listening, folks. Don't worry, it looks even better in real life. The man staring his phone going, no, 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 I could have sworn that Mark Donald's going to give us uh, evidence on uh, the recipes, but he hasn't. He may have been so that was my favourite, wasn't it? Who is Mark Donaldson? Oh, uh, some bloke that we found in a pub last yeah. time we were recording. Yeah, I had loads of wrong ideas about who the greatest assistants were and that kind of thing. <laughs> too soon, too soon. It pops up on my Twitter occasionally. I don't live in Edinburgh, I don't know these people. He's culturally <laughs> cutting edge people. We, uh, uh, we should get into that quiz thing, but uh, I thought we'd distract him from the majesty of the rescue. Yeah. So, should we get back to. Yeah. Do you want to sum up Dave? I mean, he's the choice. Do you want know, to sum up Dave? Yeah, well, Dave, Dave is. No. <laughs> yes, the rescue. It is, it's short, it's quick, but there's not much to it. That, that's what I feel after arguing both the arguments. But it's not up to me. It's up to the listeners. <laughs> Cop out. Cop out. You have to decide. Cop out. Um, He's bottled it. It's, yeah, it's bland. It's not good, it's not bad, it's not anything. It's short and empty. It's not guilty of crimes. But it's... See, exactly, it's not guilty. But it's not exactly something that would show us the great early Doctor Who. It's not guilty of anything, but it's not really positive. It's shite. I think it's better to throw it at a core. Not well, proven. Not proven. You try to say it's like a prawn cracker. We, we it's fair, but it's not like We can't go with Scottish legal judgments, come on. <laughs> not proven. Well, I think it's guilty, but there's not enough evidence, so yes, it's not proven. Well, we've got two bits of evidence, so. No, I'd go with Gilly. It is Gilly of Crimes. It's a bag of crap. The, acti- the acting's alright. The story isn't really there. There is no peril in the cliffhanger. The special effects are ropey even for the time. The costumes are crap, the guns are party popper. There's a random death for no good reason. There's somebody gets thrown down a cliff and lands underneath a twig and is fine. Somebody else falls down a step and dies. It's inconsistent. So that's my opinion after hearing both arguments. You sickened me. You sickened me. But remember, I said it was up to the audience and you said no, I had to make a decision. (laughs) But... It doesn't really matter what we think, does it? No. Because in the end, the audience decides. So we will put us up to the vote on Twitter. Uh, after this episode goes out, seven days to decide whether the rescue is guilty or not guilty of crimes against Doctor Who. I'll yeah. reveal the results in the next episode. But the people in the room think 2-1 to guilty, if that's where anybody. Yeah. 
Yeah, I'm shocked that anyone would actually remember it to actually make a judgement. Quite, quite like the majority have a good right on there. Oh well, who's that one? Who's that one? Very niche. So we wrap up there? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, we didn't cover half of the things that I was going to talk about at the start of the episode. We'll do that next. We'll do that yeah, in the next episode. Next that'll come out two months down the line, where most of the things we're going to talk about don't matter anymore. Yeah. We'll, we'll do that. We'll keep, it, we'll keep it relevant. Well, right now, most of the things we talk about don't matter anyway, so... <laughs> <laughs> Dave, in the end, none of this matters. True, indeed. That's a nice empty thought in my end, though, isn't it? It's a bit, yeah. yeah. I was just kind of contemplating that now. Yeah. Everything is bleak. Absolutely. Are we not just all sat on a marble floating in empty space? There's a thought. <coughs> yeah. Bye then. <laughs> yeah. Bye. Enjoy life. While it lasts. Interminably long, slow, pointless existences. We should have just done a Blake 7 podcast, shouldn't we? <laughs> Much more fun. I don't think I've ever seen Blake 7 that much. No, it's like Finger Mouse for me, but better than special effects. Oh, God. Yeah. No, no cups. No cups. Not Finger Mouse. <laughs> it's lovely. It's like live action Thunderbirds. <laughs> Blake 7. <laughs> Shall we end it there? <laughs> That's it for this episode of the Polish Box. I've been Lee. I've been Dave. I've been Cameron. Now let's take a moment as the credits play to remember Finger Mouse. 